Is there anything more annoying to a parent than the sound of their child whining? Well, maybe if they're whining while they're watching Caillou or Elmo or Barney. (laughs) But really, the whining by itself is bad enough. If you'd like to help your child break that bad habit of whining, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. Today, Ginger will be offering insights as to why children whine, why parents shouldn't allow them to, and how parents can help their children communicate appropriately. But before we dive in, here's a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Well, Ginger, as you know, I'm in the throes of this season of life. I have a five-year-old who is the youngest of three, and according to him, nobody ever wants to play with him. (laughs) So I'm just really excited to hear more of your thoughts on the topic of whining. And since you're the expert, I'm just guessing that means that your kids never whined. Of course not. Of course not. I mean, everyone knows that kids whose moms write parenting books don't struggle with anything. Right. They're perfect kids. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. Actually, my son wasn't so much a whiner, but once my daughter came on the scene, she whined enough for both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in your newest parenting book, I can't believe you just said that. Um, And it deals with many different tongue-related issues that children struggle with. The first one you address is whining. So, out of all the parenting troubles you could have chosen, why did you decide to start with that particular issue? Because whining is such a huge problem today. Mm. I think I realized just how much of a problem whining has become when I participated in a four-day interview on Family Life Today um, a few years ago on the topic of biblical parenting. And during the course of the shows, a poll was conducted to help determine which behavior problem among children was the most prominent in the home and the most difficult for parents to deal with. Um, And in the poll, uh, they only gave three behaviors to vote between, and those behaviors were whining, lying, and tattling. And Katie, whining took the poll by a landslide, which Mm. confirmed that parents really needed some help in this area. And in addition to the conclusive evidence of the poll, as well as my personal observations after strolling (laughs) through Walmart on any given day, (laughs) as a national speaker, I have listened to parents all over the country express heartache over their inability to control whining. So clearly, whining has become an absolute epidemic in America. 
It has, Ginger. And, you know, I whine walking through Walmart, too. So, (laughs) But why do you think whining has become such an epidemic in our country? Well, the bottom line is that children, like us, are selfish in nature. We all want what we want when we want it. And if we don't get it, we have a tendency to complain or to whine about it. So there is the root sin of selfishness going on in the heart, which means that ultimately the sin of the heart is to blame. And we all know that the only cure for sin of the heart is Jesus. Mm. However, from a practical standpoint, as far as our biblical responsibility as parents to train our children, we need to understand that another reason children whine is simply because they're allowed to whine. I've said this before, and you're going to hear me say it a lot. Parents are often responsible for the habits of their children. You see, children who whine lack healthy communication skills, and it's the parent's responsibility to take time to teach them those skills um, as far as how to communicate properly. Well, what I love about your seminars and your books is that you encourage parents to look past the outward behavior and address heart issues. So just out of curiosity, what is at the heart of whining? Well, Katie, as we've talked about in some of our earlier episodes, all behavior is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. So it's our responsibility as parents to figure out what is the heart problem that's driving that outward behavior. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, whining is an issue of self-control. And what's really sad about it is that children who use demanding forms of communication to express their wants and needs, they're in bondage to their own emotions and lack of Mm self-control. And an enslaving addiction to whining does not make for a happy child. Or happy parent, Ginger. Or in our case, happy neighbors, since our kids' voices echo through our entire (laughs) (laughs) cul-de-sac. Yeah, whining for sure seems to travel through the air at a higher frequency than normal voices. (laughs) Katie, I think I I can only think of a few things more piercing and annoying than whining. Maybe a screeching red-tailed hawk with a megaphone. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. That's a good one. What about the dog outside your window that barks for hours at a time? Uh, (laughs) Is that right up there, too? (laughs) It's like every every neighbor in our neighborhood has decided to get a dog in the last year, and they always start barking at inconvenient time. So I find myself walking through the house chanting, love thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Y'all pray for me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So self-control is a big issue for a whining child. In Proverbs 25, 28, God compares a person who lacks self-control with a city whose walls are broken down. And in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he deems self-control so important that he lists it as a priority virtue. And then in Titus 2, 12, he says that by his grace, we are to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled lives. And what's inspiring to keep in mind as far as the beauty of God's commands is that they're for the purpose of His glory and our joy. Mm. And honoring Him by speaking with a self-controlled voice accomplishes both purposes. When we choose to obey His commands, He puts joy in our hearts, which reflects His own joy of being glorified. So it all works together in in such a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. I love the reasons that Jesus gives for us obeying His commands in John 15, 11. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You know, Katie, we've all witnessed the lack of joy in a whining child versus the joyful countenance of a child who's been taught to communicate with self-control. Oh, man, this is so true. And, you know, when we teach our children the fruit of the Spirit, so in this case, self-control, we are giving them a wonderful gift. 
there is so much peace in their hearts and in our homes when they learn to communicate in a biblical way. Well, when we, <laughs> when the whole family learns to communicate in a biblical <laughs> way, parents included. Right. Okay, so you've convinced us that we need to address whining in our children. And in your book, I can't believe you just said that, you address wrong methods for dealing with whining. What are some of those methods and why are they not beneficial? Well, one is scolding. According to the Bible, scolding is an angry response that will stir anger in the hearts of our kids. In Proverbs 15:1, we're told that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When we respond to whining by yelling something like, you stop that whining right now or you're going to get it, mm. we're training in anger and we're not modeling the self-control that we so desperately desire our children to learn. Mm. Correcting wrong behavior should never be an I'll show you or a boy, you're going to get it now mentality. It should always be given with an attitude of I love you too much to allow you to live an undisciplined life. Oh, man, I just really appreciate this perspective, Ginger. And I learned it from reading your books. But I know from experience, it just takes the anger and edge out of my voice when I use words like you just said. I love you too much to allow you to live an undisciplined life. If we said every correction to our children with this tone, I just can't imagine how much more peace we would have in our homes. Mm. Okay, so let's move on to the next ineffective method for dealing with whining, and that's ignoring the child or giving in. So tell us more about those. Right, yeah. So those are also ineffective methods. When children whine, we want to view those times as precious opportunities to train them in self-control, not as frustrating moments of inconvenience for us. Mm. To ignore them is to shirk our responsibility to train them um, and to give in by granting them what they whine for, well, you and I both know that's only going to reinforce that wrong behavior. Mm. Now, certainly there are times when ignoring or giving in is going to seem more convenient for us because after all, it does take time and effort to train them up in the way they should go. But to ignore or to give in to a whining child really is to selfishly place our own interest above the interest and the well-being of the child. God has placed parents as an authority over children to teach them not to ignore them or to just get them to hush by indulging inappropriate behavior. When we allow our children to whine by ignoring or giving in, instead of taking time to teach them to communicate appropriately, we're actually hindering them from learning to communicate with self-control. Also, when we allow our children to whine, it not only hinders others from enjoying their company, but it also hinders our children from enjoying life. Ginger, I like to repeat you sometimes in case our listeners are multitasking or they might even have a whining child in the background. <laughs> um, but you said that to ignore or give in to a whining child is to selfishly place our own interests above the interests and well-being of the child. And I just love that. It's so convicting. Just appreciate that. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my Dwell tattoo. 
I was having dinner with my parents one night and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm. And I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> and then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's Word in your heart, just go to dwelldifferently.com and sign up today. Again, that's dwell, D-W-E-L-L, differently.com. Okay, so we've identified that whining is an issue of self-control, and we've talked about ineffective ways that parents address it. So basically, we've talked about what not to do. Uh, but what should we do when children whine? How can we help them understand the heart issue and communicate the right way? Well, first, let me just say, as I mentioned earlier, that my daughter, Alex, she really struggled with whining. So I can definitely relate and sympathize with parents dealing with that <laughs> annoying habit. It pretty much drove me batty. But really, it was my own fault, Katie, because I let it go on way longer than I should have before I started taking time to address it. Mm. And so Alex was not a happy child during her whining phase, and I wasn't a happy mama during her whining phase. So I finally decided that enough was enough and that I needed to do something about it. And I wanted to be able to address it from a biblical standpoint, but I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where it specifically addressed whining. So I realized that the first thing I needed to do was to look past the outward behavior and to figure out the heart issue. You see, you won't find the word whining in the Bible, but God does have an awful lot to say about self-control. Mm -hmm. And since whining is most, most often an issue of self-control, that is the heart issue that I wanted to address. So when my daughter would whine in an attempt to get her way or to acquire something that she wanted, well, let's just say that she comes into the kitchen and rather than simply asking for a cup of juice, she whines for it. Well, first, I wanted to probe her heart. So I would ask her, honey, are you asking for juice with self-control? No, sweetheart, you're not. God wants you to have self-control, even with your voice. Now, what I'm going to do, because I love you so much that I want to help you get that self-control. Um, so what I'm going to do to help you is I'm going to set the timer for three minutes. And I just had this little kitchen timer that I used. And then when that timer goes off, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way. So you see, I reproved her for whining. I had her suffer the consequences of having to wait three minutes. And then most important, I had her come back and ask for juice the right way with self-control. Mm -hmm. And again, all behavior is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. So it's wise for parents to strive to reach past that outward behavior and pull out what is going on in the heart. And then we're able to address it from a biblical perspective. You know, I actually just shared this method with a dear friend of mine, Jennifer, whose two kids are right at that age where whining seems to begin. And she and I both agreed that this is just such a simple, common sense method, but it's just not what our parenting instincts tell us to do most of the time. Um, and something else I've noticed, though, Ginger, is that many kids aren't just whining when they want something. A lot of kids today seem to whine just as a general means of communicating. So how would this method work in an instance like that? Well, what I found is that this method is just as effective for children who use whiny voices as a general means of communicating. Uh, for example, 
if a child says in a whining, a whiny voice, I don't like that color or my doll stroller isn't rolling right. <laughs> She's not necessarily asking for something, but she is inappropriately communicating her thoughts and feelings. Whining in this case is simply words spoken with a bad attitude, which also reflects a lack of self-control. So what we don't want to do is indulge the child by responding to her topic. Instead, we want to guide her to an acceptable form of communication. So let's just go through a scenario. Let's say that mom is driving the minivan and little Jenny is strapped in the back seat and she's not necessarily whining for something she wants. She's just talking in a whiny voice. Mom can address it the exact same way. She could say something like, Jenny, are you talking with a self-controlled voice? And if she doesn't answer, you don't want to get into a power struggle. Just go ahead and answer for Just say, no, honey, you're not. I'll only talk about this with you if you speak with self-control. And then mom can follow through with that three-minute wait using a timer and then require Jenny to come back and communicate the right way before mom is willing to engage in the conversation. Mm. Okay, hang on a second, though, because I bet there are moms out there who are listening and they might be thinking, yeah, you know, that sounds great and I'm glad that worked for your child, uh, but you don't know my child. If my child was whining for juice or just talking in a whiny voice and I set the timer for three minutes, that just wouldn't work. You know, my child wouldn't be willing to come back and ask for juice with self-control or to communicate the right way. Well, natural consequences. The mm. child doesn't get the juice or the child doesn't get to have that conversation with mom until she's willing to communicate appropriately. Also, we need to keep in mind that sometimes kids are so accustomed to whining that it may be necessary for us to actually demonstrate how to communicate the right way. Mm. Giving them an example of how to communicate with self-control by modeling appropriate words and modeling an appropriate tone of voice, that encourages them in how to replace what is wrong with what is right. Sometimes we have to actually show them how to do it correctly. Mm. Well, as I mentioned, I was able to encourage my friend Jennifer with your teaching on this particular issue because I have seen it work in our own home, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. So what have other parents told you about how this method of training has helped them? Well, parents are telling me that this training has completely revolutionized their homes. One thing that parents really like about it is just having a simple plan. Um, it seems to help them to stay more consistent. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of times when we find ourselves scolding or ignoring or giving in, it's because we don't really know how to respond. Mm -hmm. We don't have a plan. So out of frustration, we respond in ways that aren't beneficial. And the great thing about this method, too, is that moms can use it anywhere. And dads. We keep saying moms, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it works just as well for dads, uh, even when they're out in public. Because I don't know about you, but for me, those were the times when I it was the most tempting to ignore them or to give in. Absolutely, yeah. But if we keep a little timer with us, we're going to find it much easier to follow through with this method anytime and anywhere, even out in public. And as far as the actual timer... Um, it could just be a, a small kitchen timer or a stopwatch, or you could even just use your cell phone. Or you could even make it fun and take your child on a special outing and let the child pick out their own little timer. I saw some cute little timers in the shape of frogs and ladybugs and stuff like that. I, I think, I'm not sure where I was. I think I was at Home Goods, um, but I also recently found some really cute ones online. So we'll put a link in our show notes so you guys can check those out online. Uh, but back to the feedback that I've been getting from parents. 
parents who are consistent with this teaching are telling me that their children are absolutely transformed in the way they communicate in one week or less. It's an easy way to address it. And if you're consistent, that's key. It works. It really does, Ginger. And again, I've experienced it in my own home. And the times that whining seem to creep back into our home is when my husband and I haven't done our part in following through with this training. Sure. But I'd say that most of us get into those ruts from time to time of letting things go that we shouldn't. But that's okay. Just get back on track. Sit them down. Go back over the standard. Go back over what's expected. And tomorrow is a new day. Mm. Now, I do want to take a turn and go down a different road here for just a minute. Children who whine as a general means of communicating or to express their God-given needs, like being thirsty or being hungry or being tired, they just simply need to be encouraged in how to express those thoughts and needs with self-control, which is basically what we've talked about in this podcast. But I do want to add that children who continue to whine and who um, are always demanding that their wants and desires be met immediately can quickly fall into uh, that deep-rooted sin of idolatry. Uh-oh, buckle up, everybody. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> now, bear with me. Okay. I'm not encouraging you to prop your three-year-old on your lap and launch into this long conversation about the <laughs> sin of idolatry because that's just not going to fly with a three-year-old. Right. It's going to be way over their heads. But as parents, we do need to recognize this sin in our children and ourselves. Mm-hmm. And as our children grow and mature, we need to help them recognize it as well. We can know that whining has become the idolatry of selfishness when we start believing that our temporal wants and desires are going to satisfy us more than God. Oh, man, can you repeat that, Ginger? That's just so good. Sure. We we can know that whining has become the idolatry of selfishness when we start believing that our temporal wants and desires are going to satisfy us more than God. I love that. The Apostle Paul talked about those who substituted the temporal for the eternal in Romans one twenty five. He said they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. We know from 1 Timothy 6, 17, that God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. But those gifts for our enjoyment become idols when they're desired and enjoyed over God Himself. A good indicator that gifts are becoming idols is when the absence of them or the withholding of them ruins our trust and delight in the goodness of God. That is such a helpful way to explain idolatry. And I think most children could understand that, Ginger. And hearing you say that makes me want to ask my kids, you know, not during a confrontation or anything, but just to ask them if there's anything in their life that would make God seem uncaring or unloving or untrustworthy to them if God was to take that thing away. So is there anything that you feel God just can't take out of your life? Honestly, I need to ask myself that question and ponder my own response to that question. I think that would be a good heart check for all of us. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the temporal pleasures God gives us, but when we begin to see them as a right and we start demanding that we get to enjoy them, that's when we know those pleasures have become idolatrous because that's when temporal pleasures have become a substitute for finding our rest and contentment in God. God created His children to find their greatest joy and their greatest satisfaction in seeking Him as their greatest treasure. 
And Ginger, that is why we take the time, even when our kids are very young, to address issues like whining, because it's ultimately about shepherding their hearts rather than curing their annoying behaviors. That's right, because Jesus always addressed the issues of the heart throughout Scripture. So that's what we want to do as well. We want to follow His example. Now, again, most chronic whiners are younger and wouldn't be able to grasp the concept of how idolatry and self-centeredness is at the heart of their whining. (laughs) So that's why in this podcast, we've chosen to simply address the self-control side of it. But as children mature, we do want to begin warning them against the dangers of idolatry. And a very simple way to explain that to a small child might be to say something like, honey, idolatry is when a person or thing is loved more than God or wanted more than God, or desired more than God, or treasured more than God, or enjoyed more than God. Okay, hold up. Will you say that again? I'm trying to save everyone from having to go back when you say something that's just really quotable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Idolatry is when a person or thing is loved more than God, wanted more than God, desired more than God, treasured more than God, or enjoyed more than God. And also, as our kids mature, we want to help them understand that we're all sinners with restless souls in search of satisfaction, but nothing can satisfy us more than God, which is why we are warned in 1 John 5, 21, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. The good news is that whining provides a valuable opportunity to teach our children to communicate with self-control and, more important, to show them their need for the grace of the gospel that delivers us all from the deep-rooted sin of idolatry. I love how you point every annoying behavior our children have back to a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel with our kids. That's just great. Uh, Ginger, this has been a great conversation about how to address whining from a heart-oriented biblical perspective and how to talk about the sin of idolatry in an age-appropriate way. So as we come to the end of our timer here today, how about offering some encouragement for the parent who maybe has allowed whining to go on for a long time and just feels like it's too late? It is never too late to train our children to communicate properly. I would encourage parents who have allowed whining to go on and haven't addressed it biblically to maybe begin that new training by asking for forgiveness. Uh, Moms or dads might simply say something like, um, sweetheart, it's my job to teach you to speak with self-control, but I've been allowing you to whine. Will you forgive me for not teaching you how to speak the right way? And then help your children understand that while whining has been allowed in the past, it's not going to be accepted anymore. So I encourage you to be consistent in training, never give in to whining, and follow through with this plan each and every time you have that opportunity, and you'll have a whine-free life and a more joyful, self-controlled child before you know it. Thank you, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This just really helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. For more information on getting to the heart of whining and other verbal offenses, check out Ginger's newest book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue. This revolutionary book lays out a practical three-step plan to help parents reach beyond behaviors of tongue-related struggles, such as lying, tattling, and whining, and many more, to address your child's heart. For our listeners today, we're offering a 10% discount on, I can't believe you just said that, when you enter the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. 
While you're there, check out the show notes where you can find links to cute little timers as well as links to our wonderful sponsors. Do you have a parenting question? Well, then we invite you to submit them at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we will do our best to answer it in a future episode. We look forward to being with you again next Monday. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that homeschooling is doable for almost any family, but that doesn't mean it's easy. One thing my husband and I do for ourselves every year is to go to our favorite homeschooling convention called Teach Them Diligently. There we hear from amazing speakers who are just truly experts in their fields, including one of my favorite speakers, Ginger Hubbard. You may have heard of her. (laughs) She'll be at all four in-person events this year. Teach Them Diligently is more than just a convention, though. It's a trusted community of like-minded homeschoolers, and they provide helpful content to equip you to homeschool and disciple your children better. My husband and I have been to other homeschooling conventions, and, you know, one thing I noticed about Teach Them Diligently is that it is truly Christ-centered and family-focused. For more information about the upcoming virtual and in-person Teach Them Diligently events, visit teachthemdiligently.net. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net.